We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Mahomes has the time, delivers, perfectly downfield, touchdown, Patrick Mahomes with a rope. This one out, touchdown. This time going deep for Beckham Jr. Hello everyone, welcome back once again to Rotoviz Overtime on Rotoviz Radio, brought to you by BetOnline.ag. My name is Colin Kelly, you can follow me on Twitter at Overtime Ireland, and as always I'm joined by one of the co-owners at Rotoviz, it's Mr. Sean Siegel. It is getting into the off-season now, it's hard to believe we're as close. I think we're, rec- we're recording this on Tuesday the 18th, which I think puts us one week out from the combine starting uh, if, I, if i'm right i'm not 100 sure if that is 100 correct but it is getting to that time of year where it's going to get very very exciting very very busy with pro days combine draft everything going on in between and then breaking down all the players as we like to do here on the show today's show is going to be a fun one we're going to look ahead to 2020 talk some dynasty in the top 50 that sean has up and of course some super flex options as well so really looking forward to diving into that uh, in just a little moment but sean as we start here we're into the second week of february it's hard to believe um we're, we're just moving that quickly but what what are you uh what's your main thoughts this week as we as we head into the show well, this is the best time of the year that we've got dynasty startup drafts going. We've got best ball already in full swing. And, and this is the time of the year where it, it's fun to look at the changes. It's exciting to get new ADP and see how player values are moving. And it, it's definitely exciting to get in there and start making your own picks, especially if you believe that ADP doesn't represent uh, a handful of your favorite guys accurately this is the time of the year where you can go in and really get those bargains now sometimes we'll get into the late summer we'll get into fall and realize you know I, I wasn't right on this particular guy but as long as you're right on some of your players this is the time to draft and really be getting those values where you know a guy who's going in the 12th round now will be going in the seventh round in august a guy who's going in the 18th round will be going in the ninth round you know later this summer and so it's a lot of fun to get in there and and grab those guys up at the values you can currently see 
Yeah, it's going to be really good. You mentioned their best ball as well. Uh, a little preview to the show later this week. We'll be talking about uh, your article on the best ball workshop. We'll be looking through some of that. So uh, if any of the listeners haven't already signed up, of course, you can get that loyal podcast listener discount for 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now. It's available through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com forward slash podcast. You can get unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools. And best of all, it helps support the pod. So head on over, get yourself a 10% discount. You can preview that article uh, before we talk about it on this Thursday or Friday show uh, and get a little bit of uh, insight into it. And then you can hear Sean break it down and fall then on the podcast. On today's show, we're going to talk, as I mentioned, about Dynasty, Sean's top 150 and the super flex options that may come as part of that. Sean, it's uh, you know it's no surprise that uh, Christian McCaffrey's in that top tier, but there is a couple of other surprises in it. When when you were going through it, you know sometimes when you start doing your own ranking, sometimes you can be a little bit surprised as to how high or how how low somebody may fall. W- was there anybody that even you doing your own rankings that kind of surprised you where, where they landed in terms of the tiers? Well, one of the things in terms of building the tiers out and also participating in some early leagues is you find that the veterans really are plummeting much further than you might guess, right? And uh, for drafters who like to take that veteran team in a startup who like to win in the first season and you know if you win that first season then you can pay back your entry fees for a long time and so there's certainly some value to taking that approach on the other hand if you take those veterans don't win then your team is done and so this is a great uh, reason i think for uh, new commissioners commissioners who are starting up leagues to really require that the owners pay three years in advance make sure you have those folks in there it's, it's no fun for anyone when someone takes a dynasty team builds that roster like a redraft roster and then after the first season decides they want to go in a different direction so just a you know a few thoughts on how to construct your league one of the things that i like about this exercise is that i looked at it from a super flex perspective and a tight end premium perspective and i'd strongly encourage everyone to Build your leagues that way if you're putting together a new one with friends. If you're looking to join leagues, join a league that has that format. The Superflex just completely changes the experience of the startup. It makes it so much deeper. It adds a lot of strategy. And it makes it a lot more fair for someone who doesn't get that 101 and have the shot at Christian McCaffrey. You know, you're going to have multiple quarterbacks in that first round range, multiple quarterbacks in that second round range. Certainly the tight end premium brings those guys into play, not just as uh, crucial starters, people you need to pick early for that starting position, but makes them very viable flex flex options. And so there's another position there that really starts to, to flow up the rankings and you know we'll look about look at that a little bit today yeah exactly and it's interesting obviously there's a the tier tier one christian mccaffrey as i mentioned there's there's a lot of interesting players you know in that top kind of echelon what i've seen is there's kind of some players in and those top two rounds who are quite polarizing in terms of value um across the board and tier two you have uh, saquon barkley you've lamar jackson and patrick mahomes obviously getting that super flex element in there and when you have that um like you mentioned it may, i think it's a lot more fun i i honestly wouldn't uh outside of maybe a redraft league if i was playing a one or two but i would even be pushing for those to be super flex just for the 
the overall roster construction how much more important it makes the quarterback position and how much more fun it makes it overall in just from a playing perspective but you have the two quarterbacks in there but saquon it is interesting when you pull up the you know the screener and you look through his performances to finish last season um you know we would have had a real buy-in window here for uh, for Saquon Barkley if we didn't have the finish of the season of the the thirty point, the forty three point, and the twenty point games to finish it out. Um, did you think we may have been seeing a buy-in window? And do you think like he is back to pretty much peak peak value that he would have been um, at the height of last off season? I think that he is, and I, I think that he should be. It's questionable whether or not that opportunity would have been there if he hadn't finished hot. Certainly, we're seeing guys like a Todd Gurley, like a Le'Veon Bell going very, very late. Barkley at a very different point in terms of his career, age-wise, production-wise. However, I think that anytime you see players of that caliber have a down season and immediately see their value crater, then you start to get a little bit gun shy certainly if we hadn't seen him come back and have those monster games at the end then there's that question of well you know will he be the same because we've certainly seen some players who are never quite the same after early injuries you know we you have an edger and james who looked like he might become you know one of the top two or three running backs in nfl history uh started off very fast had the injuries certainly a good player after that never quite the same in the article i point out here that Barkley, in his first 29 games, he went over 20 points 17 times. Over the last 20 years, Clinton Portis is the only running back who had both more total points and more more points per game over the first two seasons. And at Portis, another player where after that little bit of an injury, never quite the same and the value falling off very, very fast. And so you look at Barkley, you compare him to some of these players who even young players who had an injury and and weren't quite the same to see him finish out the season. Very, very strong. I think puts him back at that level. Colin, my question for you would be having these two quarterbacks right there with him in the second tier. Do you like them that high, even though it is a super flex and do you have a preference between these two superstars? Well, between the, uh, I, th- I thought the question you were going to ask was with Saquon, would I be going for him over one of them? So I, I'll throw that one in there as well. The the thing there that you were mentioning, and I mentioned of those last three games and how it kept his value where it was last offseason, you know, it, 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 we would have been getting into the territory again where you mentioned the likes of Bell, the likes of Garden. We've talked about in a few shows how those values can really plummet very quickly. Um, and in terms of dynasty, you're you're obviously looking to to win, but you're obviously looking to have players who maintain and gain value over time. Uh, and the, I really can't see a situation where like the likes of Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson do not maintain their value over the next kind of three seasons. Where as you could see, a, you know, Saquon Barkley have a little bit of a drop off, and then we're into that concerned territory where the running back drops off at a, a quick level in terms of value. So I would be taking the two quarterbacks over both of those guys and out of them both I think just because of what we've seen from the offense I think Patrick Mahomes I wouldn't say his success is more sustainable but in terms of how he puts up the points uh, on, on a weekly basis you know as a quarterback and as a passer and uh, that offense and with his weapons I think that's more sustainable than and this might sound silly but Lamar Jackson continuing to rush for 100 yards a game uh you know each and every week um that there is an area where there's concern you know over the long term um you know we've seen Cam Newton now with the injury missing a whole season those sort of things can happen that could happen to Patrick Mahomes we did see that he you know dislocated his knee uh, during this season and then went on to win the Super Bowl so I would just say out of the two of them uh you know looking at your 
I guess we'll say your uh, regular quarterback production, I, I would be taking Mahomes uh, first out of those three. Then I'd be going Jackson. Then I'd be going uh, moving down. Then towards Barkley after that. Would you take the running back over those two guys, uh, and would you take Jackson over Mahomes? And I know that would be a tough one for you to to, to do, but would you do that? I I think that the the choice between Barkley and Mahomes here would be very very difficult because the. With, with the quarterback situation and with the super flex format certainly especially in dynasty you have this tricky choice because the quarterbacks are going to score so many points one of the things that i mentioned in the article here is that if you look at aaron Rodgers, drew Brees, tom brady you go back over the last decade and between the three of them that would give you you know 30 individual player seasons they scored more than 100 points above replacement 23 times and in most of those cases it was well above 100 points they weren't just sneaking across the 100 point barrier there and of the seven times they missed five of those occurred in the last three seasons where you know we all know that they're as older older during that time frame than jackson and mahomes will be 10 years from now right so you're talking about guys who until they were at the very end here are just crushing the overall quarterback position that doesn't mean that every single season they have the standout performance and that's one of the reasons why in redraft leagues where you only have one quarterback you're certainly looking to take advantage of the way that quarterback scoring is going to shift year to year and certainly you know you look at mahomes the 2018 season wasn't able to do that in 2019 you look at jackson the 2019 season probably isn't going to consistently do that but when you throw in the huge seasons that they'll probably have along the way along with that very high floor and then you bring in a situation where almost every owner is going to need to go to quarterback so you're looking at a 24 quarterback situation here in terms of starters every week then the way they're able to pull away is much greater then you have that time frame that they can do it for which you alluded to and it's not just that the trade value will be falling off for those other players but you also have the situation where if you're going to try and take Barkley which I think is a very viable approach and then mix and match behind him you've got to be continually shuffling at the quarterback position you know trying to find your ryan Tannehills, trying to find your uh fitz magic situations and that will work but it's going to be a lot of effort it's going to cost you roster spots it's going to cost you uh you know some of your second round picks third round picks it's going to cost you your free agent bidding dollars and again that's something that is is approach that will work for players but you have to be all in on this idea of i'm going to continue to grind on this and i'm going to have to make a lot of moves and over time do those moves just really end up costing me more than it would have cost to simply lock down the position in the first place i think if you're not going to do that grinding then especially uh, you get back to this question of well why don't we just take these stars to begin with because if you're taking guys in that fourth fifth sixth seventh round range who maybe you still do plan to play for 10 seasons, but they're going to score a lot fewer points, then uh, again, you, you've, you've created a situation now where you're losing to these players who have the big-time quarterback. So I think I would split it half and half if I had a choice. And that's obviously not really answering the question, but I think that Barkley gives you this chance to win right away. I think there are some other quarterback options who will grow in trade value, um, but taking the quarterbacks here i think is both a safe and a high upside choice so if you feel confident in your drafting the rest of the way i think that you would lean to taking the quarterbacks 
Yeah, and we're going to break down the rest of the 150 in just a little moment. But before we do that, I want to take a moment to tell you about our friends over at Bet Online. BetOnline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to place your bet on all things sports. March Madness, the Masters, Major League Opening Day are right around the corner. Bet Online has you covered for all the latest news scores and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. The best part, when you sign up, you can receive a 50% welcome bonus as a loyal podcast listener. The Wilder Fury rematch goes down this Saturday night and I am for one super excited about it. I've been watching some recaps of their first fight uh, over the last couple of days on YouTube. I've been really enjoying getting into that uh, and I suppose from this side of the pond uh, we'll have to take Fury's side. So it's going to be an interesting one if you want to head on over and place an actual uh, bet with some free money. Head on over to betonline.ag. Use our promo code BLUEWIRE to revive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. We signed up. It's super easy i'm getting involved this weekend with the fury match as i mentioned head on over and it's a great way as well to support the podcast once again that promo code is blue wire all one word when you sign up at betonline.ag so sean as we get into the second half here we're going to look through some uh, options as we get into tier three and uh, tier three we have michael thomas dalvin cook alvin kamara and jonathan taylor um you know pushing those rookies straight in there had you any concern uh moving the rookies into that position you know straight off the bat um was, was there any kind of hesitancy to do so yes and no and that there's always the hesitance to put someone that quickly that high we talked a little bit last week where we spoke at, about taylor at great length uh talking about the running back prospect lab all the things you can do with that tool and then where taylor scores we talked about how he had a 99th percentile projection and that put him up there in rarefied air only saquon barkley and todd Gurley really at the same level we can also go in and look at where he would land if we use draft position. So even though the draft hasn't happened, the tool lets us try out some different scenarios. Let's say he goes in my perfect scenario and he goes to the Kansas City Chiefs at number 32 and makes that offense even more unstoppable. Maybe they start scoring you know, 45 points a game next season because once they get ahead, they can just feel Taylor. He has a number of 200-yard games just like he did in college, scores a bunch of touchdowns. If he falls to number 32, and granted the tools that know that would be with the Kansas City Chiefs in that offense, but if he falls to number 32, then his projection would land him behind only these guys. Christian McCaffrey, Todd Gurley, Leonard Fournette, Ezekiel Elliott, Melvin Gordon, and Darren McFadden. Now, despite the fact that McFadden didn't pay off quite as well as everyone had hoped, that is a star-studded group right there. So then the question that we're asking ourselves is, if Taylor is that good then number one we probably do want him but on the other hand why would we have him above leonard Fournette and ezekiel elliott who are also on that list last year those two running backs ranked number two and number three in expected points per game and both of those guys are still in their primes or what we tend to think of their primes but you raised this question in the first segment which was what happens to these players if the scoring goes down a little bit we can go to Blair Andrews' piece, the wrong read, number 35, uh, eight running back age curves, failure rates, breakout rates. And we can see very dramatically what you mentioned, which is that running backs do not age well. The scoring change tends to fall dramatically already at age 24, age 25, it gets worse. We have a little bit of a, 
a leveling off at 26, but then 27, 28, very poor. Obviously, 29, 30, the numbers are just falling off the table. And one of the things that we have happening here is that we have failure rates, which are also jumping. So the scoring change, a lot of what it's reflecting is the age at which the running backs completely collapse. As we saw, again, with Gurley, Bell, Gordon, uh, certainly David Johnson, once that happens, then you've lost a ton of actual value but also a ton of trade value and so you have to balance those things when you're drafting running back so i would throw the question back to you certainly i like taylor up there but when you go through the mock drafts you'll certainly see that in many of them he's not the number one running back he's not even the number two running back now we discussed on last week's show how he does project a lot better than swift and dobbins but those guys are big time players as well certainly if they land in better locations then we could see the value gap maybe really start to grow between those and taylor you know we have to reevaluate and certainly picks that we made this early would would lose a little bit of value my sentiment would be that he is so good that even if he loses that value in the short term he will then make it up uh you know over the next six to 12 months and you're just still fine in terms of what you're looking at with him we've got wide receivers who are coming up in tier four would you have any temptation to take taylor here at all or is it a pretty cut clear cut decision to go down and take some wide receivers out of that next tier i think the taylor one's interesting it's just this this is the stage where it gets to me um you know how the draft is progressing how the players are kind of starting to move you know if you're in a super flex uh, draft at this point you know you'll have sometimes that you know through say the first 10 picks there might be one quarterback taken but you could be in another draft where through the first 10 picks you know three or four quarterbacks are taken and it really alters your kind of decision making then based on that of who is the best value uh, i think it'd be fair to take him there i still think at the point there where you're going you know with a dalvin cook or uh, ezekiel elliott i would still be taking them probably just ahead of him uh, but when you're getting to the stage then when you're moving down to like uh even i would be i would have him in the same kind of category as chubb you know i i, I we love next chubb um i would just have some concerns about um the offense and the situation he's there with the, the kind of the backfield situation um with with the browns at the moment so i would have him kind of in that range and your i would be taking him over leonard Fournette. Uh, i would have him in that kind of that kind of tier um i i would tend to and listeners won't be surprised i would tend to always drop back just a little bit to try and see if i can get those wide receivers so if i'm in that kind of range you'd be looking around you know possibly like a, a mike evans um, you know maybe even a, a dj moore or chris godwin if you're in that kind of range they're the players that i would be would be taking in this sort of situation um but if, if you look a little bit further down when you get into that kind of you know cooper cup kenny galladay tier that gets really close for me but i probably still would would lean towards the the wide receivers and that that's always been a a value play of mine and and dynasty is to to lean towards the receivers because the the value even with bad seasons as i've mentioned tends to tends to maintain um would would you um you know when when you get to those players like a fournette it seems like you'd be taking uh taylor well ahead of those guys but um would you would you be looking at those other wide receivers i mentioned around that same time or ahead or behind him i like taylor earlier than those guys i also like some of the other rookie running backs very early even ahead of some of those veterans that you mentioned and we're looking at the wide receivers it's certainly a case where i'm trying to build with uh, to a certain extent some rookies if you can get a decent value but definitely the second and third year guys, as opposed to some of the slightly older players 
that you mentioned there. Number one, because they're going to be a little bit less expensive. Number two, that second year time frame for the right guys, right? We're not just reaching on everyone and targeting every one of the second year wide receivers. But when you're looking at those players who had a strong collegiate resume, had a very impressive rookie season, and now are ready for that leap, you want to get the leap and you want to get that window in there. The difference between a 23-year-old receiver and a 27-year-old receiver is not necessarily what you're going to get for the first two or three years, which many people are focused on in Dynasty. And again, that's a very viable way to play it. If you can dominate those first couple of years, you can pay back your entry and more. However, one of the things that we're always trying to do when we pick players in a startup is you're going to get guys who, number one, are going to score points, Number two, are going to see their trade values rise. And number three, that you'd be able to play them for a window and then still trade them at their peaks, right? So if you're drafting a 23-year-old receiver, in three years, he's going to be 26, you'll be able to trade him at near peak value. If you're drafting a 26-year-old receiver who's going to be 29, you're going to have to take a lot less. And so you would need to score a lot more during that time frame for those guys to come out, even, even if the 26, 27-year-old is in his peak now and as a star. And so those are some things that we look at kind of as we put these tiers together. However, there are some really exciting guys in this very next tier, the tier four. And so I would kind of throw that question back to you of the next six guys that I have. We have DeAndre Hopkins, Devontae Adams, Mike Evans, sort of the older big time star veteran wide receivers but guys who still have many years left unless something very unfortunate befalls them the next little group that we have Tyreek Hill Juju Smith-Schuster Chris Godwin all very exciting but all with a little bit of red flags Hill some of the character things which certainly what's been established there it wouldn't take much more for it to become a real problem with his career obviously Juju I think the superstar but anytime it player is coming off of a season as bad as the one that he just finished it's certainly a concern and then godwin you have just the one year where he's really broken out to this level where we say are we going to take this guy at the end of the first round right and then also you have this problem where Jameis winston not a great reality quarterback but this dream quarterback for wide receivers if the bucks go in a different direction and right now you know it looks you know, maybe 50-50, maybe a little bit more one way or the other. If they go to, say, a Philip Rivers who doesn't have the same kind of an arm or, you know, a lesser quarterback in terms of being able to get the ball down the field, you know, do Evans and Godwin suddenly fall back? Not a long way, but a round or so. And so do you like the veterans? Do you like the upstarts? And do you have any concerns about those two Bucks guys on the list? Uh, the two bucks guys the concern would be like uh, for all the the stuff i'll say about james winston like you know he in terms of throwing uh throwing the ball it's not always the most accurate um but in terms of being able to throw those you know passes to work in a very very productive way for mike evans and and godwin uh, he he can do that pretty much as well as as most quarterbacks in the league so in terms of a fantasy quarterback he, he continues to be able to do that in terms of reality quarterback there's still huge question marks so if he's not there if it's somebody like philip rivers who last year we've seen like a, the arm strength just isn't there we, i talked to neil dutton about it a couple of weeks ago here on the podcast the, the, the just the downfield passing ability isn't there unless it's a miraculous thing that it was an injury last year and it comes back this year but i would say that's more to do with uh, age so if there is a different quarterback there depending on who it is at, at, at the moment it gives me a real pause 
on Evans and Godwin to see what does happen there. Um, you mentioned the the second list there, Hill. I I always am very reserved in terms of players with off the field issues and players who you know could end up having on the field issues based on you know what's happening off the field in terms of suspensions and such. So Hill uh, is a player who would concern me from that reason. I have no shares of Hill, although I think he's a, an unbelievably talented player. Um, I, I tend to lean away from that. Like I think Josh Gardner would be a prime example of why you would do that. You know, Martavis Bryant, uh, you know, even all the way back to Justin Blackman. There's there's always those talented players who just can't get it all together um, off the field, unfortunately. Um, so I would be leaning in this group or the second group towards Juju. Um, you made a very good point there a moment ago about drafting players who you know are at their peak or assumed peak in terms of hopkins and adams uh you know i I would agree with that and it's a very good point if i'm in a regular league that isn't a startup if i'm maybe two or three years and we're we're just like you know swapping players swapping picks i would be very much trying to get hold of adams and uh hopkins evans as i mentioned would be a little bit concerned around the quarterback uh out of that list though in terms of current value and what i would like to do in terms of long-term team building i think juju uh or godwin would be the two i would go for but uh, you know i can't i can't really say that juju has less uh, quarterback concerns there's, there's there's huge quarterback concerns there but if he can get big ben back uh if he does return this season i think it would edge him in value i think juju um, is the one I would lean towards, which is very close with him and Godwin. Um, how would you lean for the, those list of uh, wide receivers? I think it's tricky because I would prefer not to have receivers in that age range of the guys you'd really want. And then you move to the younger players. And those question marks, I think, really do give me pause. Juju is the person who this is probably your chance to get him. And so if you have that pick in the second round where he's going, and you can see uh, looking at redraft ADP, uh, he falls well down in drafts. And so players are not necessarily bouncing, betting on a bounce back in 2020, which is kind of interesting because certainly with the first two years that he's had there and just being so young, still younger, even than some of the players coming into the league with this draft right to be able to get the production that he's had both in college and those first two seasons and to get the discount i think you want to take that it's certainly not something where there's no chance of that backfiring but juju you know this this is the year because he has a big season this coming season he's going to be the wide receiver one or wide receiver two behind michael thomas for a long long time i think that's that's very fair and i think you know looking at what he did out of the last season uh we're in for a i i'm really excited to see we, we were all in on him last year sean i think we we're just we were one year too early so let's hope for 2020 to be the year of uh juju but that's going to do it for today's edition of the show we kind of tease through some of the the early parts there of sean's piece up on the site uh, the second piece will be coming out shortly and uh, make sure that you're checking out this one there's a lot more detail in it than we went through but uh, check that out on on rotaviz.com and of course uh, more great stuff coming from sean later this week and we'll be back later this week as well with another edition of the podcast i hope you've been enjoying it throughout uh, this early part of the off season uh, as we continue to bring you a show twice a week here on rotaviz radio uh, my name as always is colin kelly you can follow me on twitter at overtime ireland and my co-host is sean siegel uh one of the co-owners over at rotoviz make sure you're checking out all the fantastic stuff on the site as i mentioned the 10 percent discount available at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast and until we're back later in the week with another one have a good one 
Thank you for listening to Overtime on Rotoviz Radio. Please rate and review the Rotoviz Radio podcast on iTunes, your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 10% discount to the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotovizcom forward slash podcast. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.